What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast, where every week we sit around a table, we have some conversations about ministry that we hope inspire you and inform you and challenge you and just help you remember that you're not out here doing this by yourself. I am Brett, and I am thrilled today to be joined by my friend Ashley. Hey, everyone. My friend Chef. Hey, everybody. And our good friend Dave. Hey, how you doing? So that Dave might be a familiar voice if you've listened to the Think Orange podcast. Yes. But if you haven't, he's going to be a new voice. So Dave, tell us a little bit about yourself. A little bit about myself. I am married to Meg, and really that's the most important thing. And okay. I'm a dad <laughs> to three girls uh, who are 14, 15, and 18. Okay. And, and you were born and raised in Texas, right? That's the Correct. accent that I'm picking it's, up. Yeah, very southern accent. Um, it's a little bit south of Texas. <laughs> uh, I was born and raised in Australia. I've been living mm-hmm. in the States for about 10 years in ministry. Awesome. He also has like the best social media accounts you've ever followed. At Aussie Dave, if you're not following. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Oh, nice. So today we're talking about this idea of the effects of social media on students. So Dave, tell us a little bit about why why in the world did we ask you to join us on this episode? I think it's totally because I have an Australian accent and uh, Google <laughs> statistics show that podcasts with an Australian person on them rank 27% higher. Nailed it. Nailed it. That's exactly <laughs> that why. A true thing? That is a true thing. Is that in your Insta profile? <laughs> no, it should be. Though. Yeah, it should. <laughs> I should put that on my like on my website at the very top or something. I think you should have a list of like bonuses to be an Australian well, and why be. people should contract you. Well, I think you asked me to be on the podcast because uh, I do social media for churches. I consult with a lot of churches and I work at North Point Ministries, have mm-hmm. for the past five years, where uh, I oversee social media for all of our six Atlanta area campuses. The last time I was in a meeting with him, he's like, I got to go. I, I have a call with Facebook in five minutes. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, they're gone. Yeah, that was a true story. I know. <laughs> It wasn't Mark Zuckerberg. It was just Facebook in general. Yeah, yeah. It was a nameless. It was all of them. Yeah, they were all in a I was probably trying to get an, an account shut down or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> part of what I do. So I want to be clear. We, we are going to continue to have conversations about social media on this, on this podcast for probably a, a very long time and very wide-ranging conversations about it. But this is kind of where we're choosing to start the conversation, this mm-hmm. idea of, of what are the effects of social media on students. This isn't a... How do you engage students in social media? This isn't a how-to, but this is really kind of a deeper dive into what are what are some of these effects and what does that look like for us in ministry? Mm. All right, so the first thing I want to ask you all is what is your favorite social media platform? Instagram. Why? Because I love the story option because there's like so many fun mm. things you can do. Like put the GIF on it, you can pull people. It's a lot easier to get interaction in my humble opinion and it's gone within 24 hours. So mm. it doesn't have to be like professional. It can just be like fun, you okay. know? Yeah. I would say for me, it's Instagram for sure uh, for a number of different reasons, not the least of which it is the fastest growing, most engaged social media platform of 2018 and into 2019. Mm -hmm. The story option is great because it feels much more in the moment, which uh, is is, is such a high social media trend at the moment of Mm -hmm. creating in the moment content. But a very close second for me would be Twitter. That's where I get my news. Like I I get all of my news headlines from Twitter. Uh, That's where I interact. And Twitter is just hilarious yeah it is by far the funniest social media so <laughs> i'm tired ta- i'm torn i'm tied but okay. if i had to give it to one it would be instagram chef myspace still 
Email. Are we in your top eight? Slash Jeffrey. <laughs> I actually, um, it's a hard question for me to answer because I don't like it at all right now. And it's more <laughs> just, I'm just, I feel terrible that I'm terrible at it. Um, I'm fighting with kids at home about it. Mm. And, you know, so favorite is a tough word. I think I go and look at Instagram most right now. Mm. I do like the local stuff. I do like Twitter, especially I didn't realize this. I'm trying to follow a football game the other day and I'm following on a sports app, like the live function. And then it had tweets. And when I followed that, you actually get your information much faster Mm. following a hashtag on Twitter during a football game. And it's much more fun. And it is. And people are hilarious. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was much more fun and I enjoyed it a ton. I think that's the last thing I was good at was Twitter for a season. (laughs) Um, And as far as the Facebook goes, the Facebook, I (laughs) I opened it up. Too rarely. I have always have like all these friends and family that probably think I hate them because I haven't done anything on it. And the only thing I do now are like the coaching groups we do. I go on there to figure out when's the next yeah. gathering and stuff like that. But t- I mean, I guess what makes me so crazy is I see all the opportunity and I'm just terrible at it. And mm. I don't know how to find handles. And get it's overwhelming. Back. It is. It is overwhelming. And as far as kids, I'm watching kids grow up and you know, in my own home and, and then in ministry, you know, struggling with, should we have Instagram accounts? Should we not have Instagram accounts based on the ages of our kids and our ministry and all those good questions that I'm sure you guys are all and ladies are all wrestling about um, with. So mm. I'm just frustrated. Mm. So I guess I'll answer the question is I probably go to Instagram most mm-hmm. and that's probably three or four times a day. I mean, it's not like I don't go very much. I go check it out and just feel guilty that I haven't posted anything in a bajillion years. Well, and you have so. a teenager on it now, so. I do, I do. Gotta, you gotta be checking that. Yeah. Is YouTube considered a social media? It certainly is, and if it isn't, it should now be. Uh-huh. Uh, that's how YouTube definitely identifies itself as a social media. They've just added a community tab. If you've got over a thousand um, followers, uh, subscribers, oh, you wow. get a community tab, which essentially is Instagram for YouTube. Like mm-hmm. you can post whatever you want onto that, and all of your subscribers get notified. Huh. So it's become a new thing. So yes, I would add that for sure. So for our listeners, I mean, what is it? The Google study that came out not too long ago saying that YouTube is the number one social platform that teenagers are on, if you consider it, I guess, a social media. Yeah. Well, and search engine too, right? Yeah, number behind two Google. Biggest Second biggest search, search engine in the yeah. world, owned by the biggest search engine in the world. Uh, and if you want to get SEO up on a website, you have to be on YouTube. If you want to uh, engage with uh, gener- the Generation X, uh, Generation Y, YouTube is the place to be. Uh, most of them are on it several hours per day, according to recent Crazy. studies. Wow. Yeah. All right, so we're, we're getting into a lot of different things here, but I want to kind of bring us back. So what is your gut reaction to the question, what kind of effect does social media have on students, on teenagers? I think my gut reaction is like almost like a cringe because mm. I feel like a lot of times when this topic comes up, it it almost is like the old people like griping about yeah. social media. Yeah. So I think initially that's what I think of, but I, I think there's so much more to the conversation, which is why I'm really excited we're having it. Mm. Dave? Um, I've got the right answer, so you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, my gut reaction is I think it's 50 50. Uh, mm. You know, it's clearly there's a lot of stuff that can be done on social media that is negative, but I think there are so many positives as well. I think it depends on how we choose to look at it. If you want to find something negative, you will find sure. something negative. 
in, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter by themselves are not inherently bad. Right. It's just technology. How we leverage or use that technology is what makes it bad. So I think uh, I, I would sit on the fence. If I had to go one way, I would say I think it's positive because it can enhance relationships. Okay. Yeah. You know, I've been talking to parents and stuff about this. And one of the things I say to them is this is not a thing to protect your kids from. Like, mm. you know, this is a new way mm. to help your kids learn to live in. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just it's a new reality at the end of the day. So that's that's what stuff I think when I think about it in teenagers, I picture like the wildfires in California mm. where you have this powerful force that when mm. used correctly could be amazing yeah. but when it's out of control and i feel like that's basically the experience most of our parents are having i think the yeah. kids love it because out of control is fun yeah but most of the parents that we're talking to most of the ministries are having is it is a powerful thing that's out of control yeah and i'm not mm. quite sure how to gather it up I, and, and i agree with you 100 percent. there are some amazing opportunities with it yeah. you know mm -hmm. but just like a fire it gets mm. out of out of hand and the wind's blowing in the right direction and a town is gone. Yeah. You know? it's the, a, the metaphor that I often use when I'm talking to parents or talking to church leaders about social media is I've got a nephew back in Australia who's four years old and is obsessed with uh, bulldozers, you know, big yeah. digging thing, whatever whatever they're called. Um, bulldozers. I, I think they're called Structure bulldozers. Structure equipment is what yeah. my four-year-old Yeah, yeah, those big it. yellow things with the <laughs> yeah. big thing on front. Um, he's obsessed with them. Like he will watch YouTube videos for literally yeah. for hours. I have a nephew that's like that People too. Ju just digging. That's all they're doing. And, and he will go to construction sites and just watch these and, and he's had the opportunity to sit in them. And, and I, I say to people, but if I gave him the keys to a bulldozer right now at, at four years, that's so destructive. Right. But if he gets a healthy appreciation for that and when he turns the appropriate age can go and get licensed and get taught how to use mm. that thing, he can build enormous great things using that same piece of equipment and that's what i that's the metaphor that i use social yeah. media is like that bulldozer but people need to be trained and appropriately aged in order to yeah, know how yeah. to build stuff rather than tear stuff down awesome okay so i think we're all probably in agreement that the effects of social media on teenagers is going to be widespread it's going to be all over the place and it's going to be very dependent on a lot of different factors so let's talk specifically about kind of those beneficial effects. Like what are some of the benefits of teenagers having the opportunity in this generation to be connected via social media and what that looks like? I mean, I think a big one for teenagers is it's easier to find people like you. Hmm. Like people who have things in common yeah. with you. Because when you go to school, there's only a certain amount of people that you hmm. have to connect with who have the same interests as you. And so I think that's a really positive way for them to feel connected to other people. Absolutely. Well, I've seen it in my family. Uh, social media has enhanced the relationships mm. that my girls are able to have. You know, because we moved from Australia to America when my eldest daughter was seven, she's now 18. She's still her best friend at seven is still one of her best friends because she's been able to maintain this yep. long distance relationship. And, and it's even enhanced now because of the things they learn from about each other through social media. And even as a family, for us, it's a way that we enhance our family unit at home. Because if my daughter posts something, like, I mean, literally happened just a few minutes ago. She, she, my, daughter, my middle daughter is an artist. She posted a, a, a drawing that she did. And I looked at it and showed Ash and said, 
I got to talk to her about the inappropriateness of this drawing. I think. <laughs> so it enhances my position as a dad because I know what's going on yeah. more than I did, uh, more than my parents probably did when I was out riding my bike, you know, around all afternoon and going into shops and, right. and shoplifting, which, so you good. know, true story. That's what I did. But, but I'm able to now monitor my, my kids a little bit closer and we leverage it as a tool to stay in contact as a family. So when we get around the dinner table at night, we've got stuff to talk about because we've been having ongoing conversations through social media. Yeah. So it enhances the relationship for us. And going to what you said about not the inappropriateness of the picture, but of the opportunity that social media gives teenagers to be an, an outlet, especially in the creative realm, for them to be able to share things that they're working on or that they're building or that they're designing or that, you know, when it comes, this is just kind of technology in general right yeah. now. If, if there's musicians that are 15 years old, the opportunities for them to build, create, and share music right now in 2019 is vastly superior than it was even totally. in 2009 or 2001 or, or whatever it was. Yeah. So there's to me, that's a huge benefit of that opportunity for, for teenagers specifically to really begin to, to share what they feel like their gifts are, the mm-hmm. things that they're really passionate about. Yeah, yeah I'd I'm just watching my son and how much more connected he is to his small group, mm. which is, and it's all through it, through that, which is really cool. I think, I mean, I'm doing my best to keep up with it, but he's connected with them outside of Sundays. They meet on Sunday nights yeah. and, um, is, is there an app that he, a specific app he's using? Um, well, I, well, again, I don't know that this is social media. So they've, you know, they've got a texting group, which I, I guess WhatsApp. it is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's they've totally got social media. the WhatsApp stuff, which yeah. my daughter does too. She doesn't have social media per se yet. She's in seventh grade, but she's got WhatsApp with her volleyball yeah. team, which is great because we can be a part of that and see all of that and they stay connected. And then on Instagram, you can help me understand how they're doing this, but they stay connected as a group and, and the way they message each other. I, I, I've been yeah. meaning to sit down with somebody and say, how's he doing this? Well, because a lot of kids use the DM aspect of yeah. of Instagram as they're texting. They don't yeah. text yeah. anymore. That's they right. DM through Instagram. Because yeah. um, their my, parents don't know how to check it. I think to a certain extent, <laughs> yes. But I also think they see their parents text and right. they think, well, that's old school. Right. So we're going to DM. Well, on, that's also what on they're Instagram. on. Yeah, exactly. Stop. So right. it's amazing. I think it's also a platform for good. So like they can, um, they're exposed to needs in the world and like what people are doing about those needs. So maybe they're even like sharing a post or um, whether it's on their story or on, you know, their grid about the 5K fundraiser for the teacher in the local schools who's battling yeah. cancer or something like that. Yeah. So it's an opportunity for them to be connected and do something yeah. about what they're seeing by just sharing yeah. the information. And when you see lots of posts on all sorts of social media channels about people who are donating their birthday to raise funds for yes. a certain project or, you know, even on Instagram stories, they've got stickers for, for raising funds and things like that. They become much more socially aware mm-hmm. uh, of those sort of larger needs in the world, not just in their local yeah. community. So I think from that point of view, it's broadening their world. It's, it's yeah. taken the boundaries off, uh, the blinkers off, if you yeah. will, from their worldview. They don't just see inside their own neighborhood, their own school anymore. They see almost everything. You know, a- you know, it's interesting, like, you know, as the ch- television channels changed, how many years back I had six channels and then now there were 200 <laughs> some. And then you, you notice kids were watching the cooking channel or the history channel or all these things like that. Like probably the most common message I get from my 15 year old is something about mountain biking, which is, you know, 
off of Instagram or something mm. like mm-hmm. that. He's read or because we share that together. So it's yeah. it's really a cool way to connect on on certain things and the things he follows surprise me. You know whether it's history or you know my daughter will be yeah. cooking crazy when she's allowed to be on it. I, I completely agree with that. That is an understated benefit to social yeah. media is the amount of information that, that comes through a, a platform like Facebook. Yeah. There are some countries in, in, in the world where they consider the internet Facebook. Like they yeah. literally, they, they don't say, hey, I'm going to Google that. They say, I'm going to Facebook that. And that's how they get their information. Mm-hmm. But for us, in, you know, in the US and in, in Western worlds, we've got kids who... who uh, not just uh, read stuff on Facebook through posts of people they're following, but they're able to watch YouTube and yeah. see things actually happen. I read a statistic recently that said that 87% of millennials believe they can learn anything they need to know about life from YouTube. Oh, and wow. I find that I would agree because if I have to... <laughs> I would do. Like, I use it if all my, the time. Yeah, if my car's making a weird noise, I literally yep. YouTube that noise yeah. to yeah. figure out how to fix it. I my fixed car, my dryer the other day. I put in the model. I came up on YouTube and it took me... It's so good. Through fixing And so it, yeah. I, I watch my kids learn how, you know, um, I've got friends who learn to play the piano through uh, YouTube. Uh, my daughter did singing lessons through YouTube. Yeah. Um, like it's, in, it's enhancing their world in so many different ways. My other the daughter watches nothing but uh, BTS, uh, um, K-pop, and so. But but she's starting to <laughs> learn Korean. Is she really through? Uh, like she she says all these Korean words. Where'd you learn that YouTube? Yeah, well, I got interested in this band. They were on YouTube, and then that led to me learning about Korean culture. And now I want to go and live in Seoul. She's yeah. fifteen. She's saying I want to live in Seoul. What? How is this happening? Well, because my worldview is broader yeah. because of uh, social media. And, and to expand on that, also, like, the importance of our teenagers learning and understanding different viewpoints, like, in a phase where we're really trying to help their brain understand empathy, mm, um, like, when they can see people arguing from a different yeah. point of view and different side, they're going to relate to people so differently. And I think that's such a positive thing. Yeah. And to springboard onto that, I think there's a faith element to this as well. When you've got YouTube channels out there like The Bible Project, for example, those videos, uh, those cartoon comic style videos are able to teach... Uh, teenagers especially so much deeper level to their uh, add such a deeper level to their faith I mean it's it's absolutely incredible so there are fantastic resources out there I think to to grow every aspect of uh, of a student one of the things that surprised us lately um, is we moved our a lot of our devotionals to um, version you version yeah mm. and so if you're following with the curriculum that we work with um, your kids can download you version and they can be together in community which is yeah. really interesting yeah. so during the week or whether it's between Wednesdays or Sundays or whatever you do they're staying connected but I have run into so many people recently who say like we were at a camp and they were like we have two kids here that wouldn't have been here had it not been for that Bible stuff or, or for that stuff. And I'm like, what are you talking about there? And what they said was it's easier so to good. invite a kid. It's a, it's a smaller step. Invite a kid to join us on the U version Bible study or devotional, which leads to an invite to church with, yeah. led, which led to an mm. invite to camp. And they had two kids that 
camp through Crazy. this. Which, That's so good. I'm not even sure if that is social media or not. But yeah, I would think so. Yes, I would totally count that as social media because it, people can you can follow other people yeah. on the app. That's true. You can message each other in the app. You can keep each other accountable in the app. Yeah. And you can share notes with each other. Right. Like when you when I highlight something, I can share it with you guys so that you get it as well. Right. And then they have that aspect where you can uh, you know tweet out a, a Bible verse or right. Instagram out yeah. a Bible verse. So I would count that as social media. And to your point, I think what's going to happen in the future is a kid might read a devotion on you version, which will lead them to a one minute micro message from a church service of somebody preaching right. at, at the high school event or something, which might lead them to a 20 minute version of the same message on Facebook live. And then they will come to church. Yeah. Like, I think mm. this is one of the things of social media that when leveraged well, and when used strategically, yeah. it can lower the bottom rung on the digital invitation ladder. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got, I've got kind of a weird one that I'm going to say that it's going to kind of transition us from some of the benefits into kind of some of the, the challenges or some of the, some of the risks. In an article that I read that had a bunch of different statistics and studies, and I'm sure I'm going to talk about some of those at some point, we'll link that into the show notes too. It talked about how for teenagers, sexual activity and teenage birth rates are at an all-time low right now. And it was tying a lot of social media, technology, different things like that as one of the reasons why that's the case. I've never thought of that before. Like sexual activity with another person. Yes, exactly. We're not talking about sexual integrity. Wow. I think, and that, and that's, to me, that, that's the light Welcome shadow side of ministry. it. Is that I can, I can definitely see, because there are a lot of statistics that do say that there, people, mm, spend, people spend less time with, with each, each other, other now. Than, so than, wow. than they did 15, 20 years ago because of the ability to stay connected digitally all the time. Yeah. So the, that, that is a benefit. Like sexual activity is lower. Teen birth rates are lower. The shadow side of that is, sexual, lower. is, yeah. <laughs> is sexual integrity in a better, mm. in a, it, it, is it healthier among teenagers mm, yeah. than it mm. was? I, I would argue that it probably isn't because there's so much more available, whether it's social media in general or whether it's, you know, the, the internet. But yeah. let's kind of use that as the jumping point to this idea. What, what are some of the risks when it comes to teenagers, when it comes to 12, 13, 18 year olds and social media? Well, I think you just named probably one of the first most obvious ones is the access to uh, huge uh, resources of information also means that they have much easier access to pornography yeah. than I certainly had when I was their age. I mean, for me, it was quite the trek to, to <laughs> find some pornography. But, you know, in the modern age, you can tweet it and, yeah. and, and get pornography. So You don't even have to look for it. Yeah, you don't even have you, to look for it. Yeah. It shows up in your feed anyway because somebody you're following yeah. Uh, liked something yeah. or, or whatever. Um, and so I'll, I often talk to parents and, and church leaders and say, you know, our kids are basically, we're, we're raising our kids next door to the sex shop mm. um, because that's what it feels like. So that that's definitely one of the first obvious downsides, I would say. Another one that, you know, we've dealt with as, as, as a family is cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. You know, people uh, have access to so much information about people that they can leverage it for the wrong reason. My daughter will post, you know, a selfie or she'll post a video of her playing guitar or something. And it's so much easier for somebody to say, yep. that was terrible or, or give some sort of negative critique to that, which, you know, impacts her emotionally. Do you think there's, I mean, I think in general, my biggest fear of it is like the pornography thing's big deal, the bullying thing's a big deal. But just in general, what I'm seeing is just an addiction. Yeah. It's just overwhelming and it's 
I mean, it's just so much information in it. I mean, I've heard the term data addiction yeah. and I think it's a very real thing when I look at just even the way I look at Instagram when I don't need to, or, you know, my wife or, um, just my kids as yeah. I watch that, it's like this thing you have to go see. And I just wonder if we're being mastered by it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I would totally, you know, there's this thing they call notification syndrome where, yeah. you know, studies show that if your phone buzzes, it is so hard for you to not look at that that yeah. uh, that notification that came through, whatever it might be, whether whether it's a tweet or whether it's a right. text message. But I know as a dad talking to my girls and you're mid-conversation about something serious and a phone buzzes and you see that I, I've lost her. Yep. She's yeah. completely gone. And you've her lost phone, yourself. <laughs> her, phone's not even, her phone's not even within reach, but right. she's gone. She's right. completely checked out right now. So yeah, I think the addiction side of it is something that... I, I think we all are all aware of, but we don't talk enough about yeah. it. Yeah. My kids are always got a phone in their hand. Even when they're watching TV, she can be watching TV and drawing on a sketch pad and, pad and still have a phone in her hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and for us, we, we have our I was just addiction. That's what, how, what we call it in our house. How come you're holding your phone right now? I was just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I find my wife will say, hey, babe, can, can you put your phone down for a second? Oh, I was just... Yeah. Hang on, I've got the addiction as well. Yeah. Hmm. Anxiety, I think, is another thing that phones, the social media stuff, I think it's a breeding ground for mm. anxiety. Yeah. Here's one of the quotes from one of those uh, articles that talks about how anxiety is skyrocketing. It says that all screen activities are linked to less happiness and all non-screen activities are linked to more happiness. Eighth graders who spend 10 or more hours are 56% more likely to say they're unhappy than those who devote less time to social media. Again, when we go into statistics, who knows, yeah. like when an article quotes statistics, who knows how many people were what and, and what the context was and all of those different things. But I, I do think that there is a reality of the anxiety of how many people have liked this or, oh gosh, what if, what if I post this? Or no, I forgot to post this. Me and my friends did this. Or they just posted this and I'm not there with them. And there's kind of this loneliness factor that, that comes into play. So yeah. any statistics we throw out, I know there's a little bit of like, well, I don't know about that. I feel the same way. But yeah. when it says that all activity on right. screen, isn't it? I'm like, that's what I would push back on. Uh, what does I that think- mean? Yeah, because I think there's some positives, clearly, which we just talked about. There's some positive things you can do on a screen, and there's some negative things you can do off a yep. screen. So I don't know if I would I would necessarily agree with that. Uh, I was reading a study that was studying the like power trio of feel good feelings, which is the dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. Yeah which I love brain science. So I'm very excited to be talking about this right now. (laughs) Um, But I was trying to dig into like, Brett, the statistics that you just shared, like, why is that the case? Like what's actually happening scientifically in the brain of the teenager that's causing that or that they're thinking links it to that. And because social media uses, um, well, first let me define dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. Dopamine is like the neurotransmitter. It's like the feel good pleasure reward piece. So it's Mm -hmm. like whatever you just did, do more of that because it felt good. Serotonin is the neurotransmitter that maintains like the mood balance. Um, And oxytocin 
is a hormone that regulates social interaction and social bonding. Hmm. It's also the antidote to depressive feelings, which is so interesting. And social media really uses the hook to fuel the pleasure centers. Like, for example, it's like shots of dopamine. Every time you post something and you get a bunch of likes, your body, your brain's natural Hmm. reaction is Hmm. do more of that. That was awesome. That feels good. I feel liked, which brings in the oxytocin, which you know how like they people use like when they're going through a breakup in a relationship and they're like, I like physically hurt. Like my yeah. body physically hurts. Like it, they've linked oxytocin is the, the, mm. the reason behind that. Like basically that's what makes you feel bonded to somebody. Mm. And so when you look at social media and you're seeing that you're left out of something, mm. you're not being included. Your bit body basically is cutting off the oxytocin to yeah. your brain. So you automatically are feeling disconnected, mm. which leads to the, the, um, increase in statistics of depression and anxiety, um, and maybe even bullying and self-esteem. Um, so I think it's so interesting that the more we feed that, which can actually lead to more addictive behaviors can lead to depression. The more you like wear out the pleasure centers in your brain. Mm. So social media, what these studies were saying were as you feed the dopamine levels and the oxytocin levels are increased, decrease quickly, you actually wear that part of your brain out. And so you have to go somewhere else to find that fix so that your body mm. naturally has wow. like even levels of all of this. I don't think that that just impacts students. I think it impacts like, all absolutely. of us. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Yeah, right. We're, we're probably all exactly the same Yeah. Uh, to a certain extent. And, and mm-hmm. the people listening to this podcast, whether they're in ministry or not or we all experience the same thing. And if we're experiencing it and mm-hmm. we're older and maybe can deal with some of that emotional right. content around mm-hmm. that. Yep. More coping but our mechanisms. Students, and- yeah. Our students don't have that. So yeah. man, that's so interesting. And then even adding on the whole idea of like self-esteem, which if we define self-esteem as where you think you are compared to where other people are and you think that you, oh, big thing. you know, like you think that you are where you need to be, then you have high self-esteem. And if yeah. you don't think you are where you need to be because you are comparing yourself to people, then you have low self-esteem. I mean, and maybe that's, I mean, I came across a statistic that said 10% of nine-year-old girls have tried to make themselves throw up. Hmm. You know, you look at a statistic like that and you're like, where is the self-esteem problem coming from like yeah. how, how are they knowing that that's you know? because you know they've got access to instagram accounts where uh where, where they're seeing models they're seeing these celebrities who look so glamorous don't and don't understand that there's a team of makeup and hairdressers right. who are putting that that's photo the together then the, of it. then the whole thing is photoshopped and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. and so they you know students are comparing their real life right. to somebody else's highlight reel so from a self esteem standpoint which is where i think it gets so dangerous in middle school when mm-hmm. a kid is looking for affirmation and yeah. mm-hmm. you know we've we talk a lot about the developmental science behind what's going on and i am to the point where i tell friends this i don't say this necessarily to churches cuz you know, churches are stuck in this place where should you use Instagram? It's like, well, that's where the kids are. Mm. But if I'm talking to a parent, I say no social media in middle school. I really? just say none, none. In ninth grade, they can get one and we'll go a year with one mm. and then they can move on from there. But just developmentally, what's going on with the comparison and them trying to affirm their journeys. And I might be the old fogey sitting around here, but that's what we've done in our home so far. Yeah. And so far, so good. Um, it's worked pretty well, but it's just, just cause mm-hmm. you have a phone doesn't mean you get social media. And again, how you define social media is another thing. I'm yeah. saying I, they didn't get Instagram, but they were, again, they were had, you know, group chats with their volleyball team and yeah. all that stuff. 
beforehand. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think if it's you, kind of where I am. But just from the developmental standpoint, and I mean, not even that. I read the other day about blue light and sleep and rest and all those sorts of things. Like you need an hour and a half to two hours off if you really want to get rest. I'm, I would yeah. guess that this is yeah. one of the least rested. Yeah, yeah, there's you know, a lot there's a lot of research and, out there yeah. about social media, phones, everything like that right. when it comes to sleep deprivation right. and challenges falling and, asleep. I mean, in the middle of developing and your brain growing and what's going on in a yeah. kid's mind, you know, it's just again. If well, <laughs> when when the social media channels, when the when the platforms, the companies themselves institute an age limit in order to sign right. up for you know, we as parents need to, uh, and and we as uh, ministry leaders need to take those things into account yeah. and potentially err on the side of being more conservative yeah. about that. I know for us, it was a huge deal that uh, when when my uh, now 18-year-old had turned 13, she could get uh, a Facebook then yeah. because that's what the age, uh, that, that was the eligible age. And she was always like, well, my friends are, have had it since they were 10. Well, then they lied to get it. And if you have to lie to get something, you're not going to have it. And so Mm. that was our rule. I do like that idea of middle school. Um, That probably extends, that's erring on the side of conservative. Yeah. That's pushing it. So, what is that 14, 15? Yeah. Is where we're talking about the first time and then limiting it to, you know, a platform that can be monitored for a season. Yeah. Um, That's what I, again, I feel I, my heart goes out to parents because I think it's a difficult struggle because social media platforms and companies target young teens because mm-hmm. they're smart and they know if they can get them when they're young Got and impressionable, them. they're going to have a lifelong like the customer. Company. It's the cigarette companies. Wow. It's the alcohol companies. It's, it, it, it's a smart move on their part, but makes it difficult for us because it's just because they can have Facebook at 13 doesn't mean that sure. they're saying 13 year olds can actually handle this well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And good. then I was also thinking just like the, the physical risks of social media like Mm. a a teenager's physical wellness like when a kid is on their phone or playing video games or whatever it is whatever kind of social media they're using that means there's less time of them being outside which means an increase in vitamin d deficiency Mm -hmm. the health teacher is talking right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) like and which which actually can feed into more feelings of depression and anxiety and stress and then also if, if they're on their phones more, they're not necessarily as physically active, which increases, you know, the obesity and the diabetic mm. epidemic in our country and in our culture. So that's physically and mentally we talked about, you know, the stress and um, anxiety, but also socially. I found this really interesting study. It was popularity research on social media. And they were kind of looking at what, what happens in the brain when you put them in context to see what popularity actually looks like and how their brain reacts to it. Hmm. I thought it was so interesting. And they specifically were looking at Instagram with teenagers. And what they did was they showed pictures of things that were on Instagram that were dangerous, immoral, or illegal. And when they studied the brain of the teenager, the brain responded, no, I don't want to be part of that. Mm. But then they showed the exact same pictures with a little icon on it that said it was liked a lot. And the prefrontal cortex, which is the very front of the brain, that previously told them they didn't want to be part of it, actually shut down in their research and now said that this is popular, don't avoid it. Interesting. Wow. Right? So that's so, when you think about like how and terrifying they, it's terrifying, right? And you think about what impact is that having on teenagers? Hmm at an age where they're already so impressionable 
that there's things chemically happening in their body mm. that they have no idea about and would never be able to explain. Mm. Science. <laughs> All right. So in light of that horrifying news yeah. <laughs> hash, and all that we've talked about, the good and the bad with this, yeah. what, what do you think it looks like for a teenager to have a healthy relationship with social media? Such a, that's such a big question. Hmm. And obviously one that, uh, you know, student ministry leaders need to be aware of and parents, especially, I think need to be aware of for, for us, um, as when I say us, for me and my wife in, in our family, um, one of the things that we do is we limit time on hmm. social media. They're only allowed to have it between certain hours of, of any given day in, in an effort to, uh, increase their vitamin D to get them outside. <laughs> Although having said that, there are still times when I have to tell my kids that big bright thing in the sky is called the sun. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, we limit it so that we can have social interaction face-to-face, -face, yep. so that we can have family time, so that they can have moments where they're sh uh, uh, shut down from their screen because of that blue light thing. And, and so we institute that. And we, we have other things in place that set up boundaries around social media and technology in general for our kids. So it's about being aware of those things and I think um, setting things in place that allow the kids to thrive on and offline. Right. So boundaries is a big part boundaries. of what I'm hearing. And really, what to me, what that helps teach teenagers is this idea of moderation, mm -hmm. is this idea that not not all things that could be bad for you are bad for you, yeah. but we have to understand, we have to teach them the, the skills, the ability to learn how to enjoy things in, in moderation yeah. where it's not, you know, we, we've all probably known those students who had such strict boundaries yeah. that when they got to college yeah. and they finally got to experience some of that freedom, they went off the rails because yeah. they never learned moderation. They only learned refusal or they only under, you know, lived within you know, the walls of, of those boundaries. So helping them understand and grasp with and give them the tools to be yeah. able to make those kind of decisions and see it modeled for them of what, it, what does it look like for, mm -hmm. for me to have moderation towards things that I enjoy, but ultimately could, could damage me or could be a negative. I think we have to look at it what did you say? A healthy, is that the term a healthy relationship with social I think healthy media is a good term as mm. opposed to perfection. I mean, we do this a lot with totally. um, sexual purity or integrity yeah. where yeah. we talk about sexual purity. Well, purity can be gone in a moment, can be gone in one decision, can be taken from you for that matter where mm. integrity is a different decision. We can't expect perfection when it comes to this. This is a powerful, but a real thing. Right. So we have to, look at it as though we're preparing kids for it, not protecting them from it. Mm. Um, and that's such a, there's such a big difference there because yeah. when you're preparing kids for it, you take some chances, you let them make some mistakes, you, you know, you help them reel it in. But the thing that the message we're teaching is not, you should only, I mean, you give your kids only a couple hours or whatever it is you give them, not because it should be a couple hours, but because you're trying to teach them, you mm. know, that this is something you've always got to be careful of. And yeah. so, you know, with my son, what we talk about is, is this thing controlling you or are you controlling it? Mm. You know, that's kind of when, when you start to lose control, it's time to take control back. Mm. And the sooner you take control back, the easier it's going to be. And so we're constantly having that conversation 
um, constantly having that conversation, you know, and my yeah. wife and I are having that conversation, yeah. you know. I like that. Uh, you said earlier that uh, once they reach a certain age, they're allowed to have one social media. Yeah. I, I, I like, can you explain a little bit more why you did that? Because I think uh, that's to your point, yeah. right? You're, you're, you're giving them a safety net. You're saying, hey, we're not going to give you too much. Right. You're going to give you one thing and we're going to monitor it with you. It's, right. like, it's like somebody taking a driving test and they, you know, they can't drive right. on their own for a certain period of time. Yeah. Like, that's what it well, sounds like you're doing. Similar to Brett, what Brett was saying about kids going off to college who had been protected from the world and then yep. they get out there in the world and they have all these options, they tend to not handle it well. And yep. so the idea is I'm preparing them for a day mm. when my kids will have full access to everything that's out there, things I can't even imagine, right? Yeah. That's what's coming Yeah, yeah. for sure one day. And so how do I get them from here, which is currently... You know, my daughter who's in seventh grade can't have it to my daughter who, you know, her senior year or freshman year in college will have full access to. I need to yeah. think about getting her ready. And to me, a step is one account because for me, it's manageable. I can yeah. watch it. I can be on top of it. It's a safety net. I love that yeah. you use that term because that's exactly what it is. And in our home, the other thing that we're doing, and I, I got this from Andy Stanley when I worked for him, is the senior years of practice year. The senior years of practice mm. year. This idea that your senior year, I'm not going to give you any limitations, but you're going to live as though you're in college under our roof. And yeah. so it's a I year with a safety that. net. Does that make sense? Yeah, I've heard you talk about this before yeah. and and in another podcast. It works in technology. And I wrote it down it because I went, in, that was brilliant. Yeah. That's exactly what we should be doing. Right. It's not mine, but um, that's what we're going for. And, yeah. you know, to talk to my son about it and say, here's the thing. My goal is when you finish 11th grade, you do whatever you want. That's mm. my goal. Now, let's yeah. talk about the things that need to be in place for that day. Yeah. And that becomes a much shorter term thing. Like that's in the next couple of years, you know. Um, he's asking me for... What are we asking for right now? Um, uh, Snapchat. That that tends to be the mm -hmm. one. I get these random requests for apps for Snapchat, and I'm like denied, denied, yeah. denied. But um, so, but he's been on Instagram now for about a year, and he's doing. He doesn't post that much. Yeah. Hmm. But again, they use it to communicate through. Yeah, totally. Um, that, that's so good. We 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 went really practical from a boundary point of view in that we tried to model this idea that after eight o'clock, you don't need to be on social media. Yeah, that's great. There's just nothing happening. There's just no need for you to be on it. So for us, um, we we set up an eight o'clock curfew rule for, uh -huh. for their cell phones because right. we realized we had to take the cell phone off them yep, to get right. them off the social media. And we went through a period where quite honestly, we found out that our daughter was getting up at one in the morning and going down and because <laughs> we would charge phones in the kitchen and, right. and she was getting on her phone again and going back to bed at three o'clock. We stumbled onto it because she was so tired. Why are you so tired? You're going to bed. Right. And then we started looking through her social media and found this out. So we instituted a thing where all phones have to go on charge in our bedroom, my okay. wife and my bedroom, yeah. uh, at 8 o'clock. And they all do it now. They yeah. all do it. I love that. Really, like, it used to be begrudgingly. Now they're happy to go up and do it. But it, it gives us this time where they can wind down from the day right. without that blue light. I was going to say that's just good yeah. long-term, you know, that's just a good long-term strategy for, but as, for we, an adult. But we... To the point 
earlier that it's not just affecting kids. My wife and I have to live up yep. to this now. Yeah, exactly. My wife and I Perfect. have to say, hey, we're going to not look at our phones from this point onwards or whatever it might be. Yeah. But we've also instituted a day of a technology-free day in our house. Hmm. So a Friday, week? every single week, from Friday wow. night to Saturday night, technology-free. Unless you, um, you know, you've got teenage girls, they're getting invited to parties. Well, right. if you're texting somebody to figure out what you're doing that night, you can do it. You can have your phone for that. Right. But otherwise, no technology. That's great. And it's, but it's a it's, family rule. It's a family rule. That's and great. I would say it's, it, it's as hard for me as it is for the girls <laughs> yeah. because I want to be checking stuff and whatever. But that, ha, that has brought our family together in such a unique way because. We're trying to say to them, hey, there's a day where you don't have to be online. You can just be present with the people around yeah. you. And so I think that's another one of those practical things. You that know, another rule that we had that works great is no phones upstairs, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't work for your, maybe it'll be no phones outside of our bedroom upstairs. I'm not sure. Yeah, but maybe. but um, for my son, that's great. So if he's upstairs, yeah. I always know he's upstairs because his phone's on the, you know. Yeah, that's good. On the drawers right there going up the steps. Yeah. And um, so that's really good. Well, it's like the computer now, right? Right. Like most families, I would I would suggest, and if you don't, you should do this. <laughs> have their main computer yep. in a public place. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, so it's ex- well, it, same it's that same sort of. Yeah, role. my kids have iPads and laptops. No technology upstairs. So yeah. when they're upstairs, it's we have and, no, and they'll ask me like if they're doing homework or something. Can I take my computer upstairs for homework? And so yeah. far, so good. We have no food upstairs rule. It's <laughs> a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to be upstairs? Well, going back to the story you were telling about when the notification went off. Yeah. You know, that's that's something the one of the first things that I do if, you know, if I get a new phone or whatever, I, I go through and I turn every single notification off. Where mm. like if I get a phone call or a text message, yeah. like those are and a lot of times I'll even turn the notification off for a text message where it's just if I open it up, I see the little, you know, the red mm. number or like I have to open up. Like I don't want that on Facebook. I don't want that on Twitter or mm. anything. Like if I want to get on Twitter, it's because I go on Twitter. And yeah. then if I see the notifications yeah. there. And so having those sort of boundaries in place, I think can be really helpful. Again, not just for, for, for teenagers, but for parents, for adults, for, for whoever, yeah. so that when we are going to things, we're doing it on, on our time when we're choosing to do that. Yeah. And we're not constantly getting grabbed in because we got notified about this or that or this many likes or whatever. That's really good, man. I really like that one. Can I just say one more thing that we've done is we have a one charge rule. I once oh, really? you take your phone off charge, that's the only time you're allowed to charge it all I day. Like it. And you, you have no idea how impactful that is wow. to kids in in, in uh, monitoring themselves and how often they're on their phone because they're not able to charge it again. So they get really panicky at about you know, 1 p.m. if their phone's at, at 20% or something, suddenly they start rationing. So something like that, a one charger rule, we stumbled onto that somehow and it just seemed to work. I love it. I'm sitting here, like I, I'm not the parent of a teenager, you know, and I don't have kids. So I'm sure, Brett, you are preparing because you have young kids. So I'm, I'm you're sitting here we, taking notes of these guys. But I'm sitting here thinking as a youth pastor who doesn't have kids and can't enforce these rules, yeah, like yeah. what can I do as a youth pastor to help students have that healthy relationship? Well, if you're looking for something to get parents into your you know, ministry, this is mm. it. This is the pain point for parents. You yeah. know, cell phones. If you can have some answers, and again, they can just be some practical ideas like this. I love the one charge rule, for yeah. instance. That's just a great rule. It makes sense to people. Yep. They begin to ration. You're teaching them real skills. Yep. 
But what's not working is parents who are just scared of it, who are just saying these hard no rules, you know, like mm. you're not going to have, I mean, that doesn't work. And you can be the voice of reason in the midst of a family um, because you're not connected. Yeah. But I think also just challenging um, all youth pastors to learn more about the why behind it. Mm. Like, why is this important? Because what is going on developmentally? So when you have conversations with parents, it's not just about rules, kind of like how we approach faith. Yeah. It's not just a bunch of rules. There's there's a reason behind the rules. Mm. There's, thing, there's a reason behind the guidelines, you know? Yeah. And I think that is... Once teenagers understand the why, like really understand the why, and you're able to communicate in a way that makes sense to them. I mean, I don't have a teenager and I don't parent them. So I I would imagine it'd be easier to understand the rule and respect the rule. Yeah. What a great opportunity for the church to partner with parents Mm -hmm. on this, right? Yes. That's so good. So what are, what are some other things that we could do as church leaders to resource parents? Some really low hanging fruit. And this is the rethinking youth ministry podcast. But this share this podcast yeah. with, with parents. What I'm telling you right now, you could probably find some other podcasts that even dive deeper into some of the t- statistics and different things like that that might yeah. not have some of these practical nuggets that you guys are putting into this. But what are some other ways that you can think of that we can resource parents? I love, Chef, your idea of like using this tension as a way to get parents into yeah. your ministry, like FaceTime yeah. with them. My mind went somewhere else, Brett, when you said share this with parents. I also thought, like, share this with your volunteers. Yeah. Because if everybody's speaking the same language and understands it in the same way, you know, we always say here, two combined influence has a greater impact than two influences. And I think if we can all be speaking that same language around a topic that is so important to this generation, I think the way we guide them is going to be impacted. As a youth pastor, um, a couple of super practical things that I help my small group leaders with, um, like you can put a basket in the room where you just expect phones to be dropped Mm. because when you're going to have a small group or something, um, and then take the heat for that, that your small group leaders don't have to. I know at camp for years, we would always put a bag in there with a big label that said cell phones. And um, it was the church's rule, not the small group leader's rule. And the small group leaders thanked us for that. And it was always... Put your phones in the bags, and we would tell parents, "Here's your, here's the small group leader's cell phone number. If you got to get a hold of your kids, the kids yeah. will have one hour a day of supervised, you know, so they'll text you during that day, hour." But explain to parents, and that helped. That's good. Helped a little bit. And when it comes to the social media side of things, again, just trying to be as practical as I as I can. Um, I always like to use phones as a way of telling how how effective our programming was. So I told people all the time, if you're looking at the back of phones, you probably need to get better at your programming or get better at your speaking. That's good. Um, Because it's a great way to judge if they're paying attention. And at the same time, I would say, and just because they've got their phone up, it does not mean they're not paying attention. They live in an eight window world, you know, and they can pay attention to, as you were saying, the phone drawing (laughs) at the same time. Yeah. So again, I just... I don't, this is, this is, I think so many ministries make this a battleground yeah. mm-hmm. that, that this is just something that they're going to live or die on. And I, they just be careful not to be driving kids away. Yeah. Um, and I think the way you do that is you position them that they know it's a powerful force. They know that, you know, yeah. this is something that could be dangerous. So position yourself to help them with it, not, you know. Just be crazy about it. Yeah, I think one other way practically that, uh, you know, a church ministry, a student ministry can, can, can have a positive impact when it comes to this sort of thing is by setting the tone on social media. Mm. If a church ministry only posts 
about themselves and only promotes themselves, <laughs> then they're setting the tone of it's okay to leverage social media to promote yourself. Yeah. But if they leverage those tools to promote other people, to promote volunteers, to promote uh, you know, promote faith, for example, then they're setting a tone, they're setting a conversation that says to the kids, hey, this is how I should be using it. And also, you know, the I, uh, I think one area where a lot of churches miss out on the importance of social media is they spend so much of their resources trying to impress people mm. rather than trying to include people. Impressing people on social media requires marketing teams, digital teams, uh, design teams, right? But including people cost nothing. So what happens if you leveraged your social media instead of inviting people to an event to invite them to a conversation and to leverage that conversation in such a way that um, it, it enhances the relationship that the ministry already has with students. I see, I see my girls do this all the time from the time they're in uh, middle school programming to the in high school programming. If the middle school or high school uh, program commented back to one of their comments on social media, oh my gosh, they would come running down the stairs, dad, dad, uh, transit or, or inside out just just commented on my thing. Aww. Like the in, that return on investment was massive yeah. for them. So leverage social media in such a way that you're building people up. And if a ch- if they see their church leaders doing that, then there's more. they're more likely to, to, to do it themselves because people follow your example, not your opinion. Yeah. All right, there's so much good content here that we could keep talking for another five or six hours and this turns into a <laughs> seminar, not a podcast sort of a thing. And we said earlier that this is kind of the beginning of the conversation yeah, yeah. for us. So I do want to wrap up this conversation that we're having, the effects of social media on students. I'd love to get any final thoughts that, that you guys have. And I want to share one real quick as you guys are thinking about it. Yeah. Um, is that with all of this, I think for a lot of our ministries, we have to change what we feel like we're responsible to do in student ministry. Hmm. Um, a lot of the things that that I'm hearing in these kind of conversations are a, a lot of skills like learning what it means to, to have moderation and understanding boundaries and being like a lot of different things like that, that many people would say, listen, these aren't spiritual things. Mm. I'm not going to spend my time in youth ministry. We're, we're going to be, we're going to be memorizing these verses. We're going to be doing this. We're going to be doing that. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be doing those things, but I'm saying that this is still the work of the church. Like oh, yes. us, us absolutely teaching our small group leaders and us having conversations with students and helping them kind of like what you're saying, preparing them for the world, not just protecting them from mm. whatever, whatever it might be. I think that is the work of the church. Yeah. And so I think that sometimes there's a little bit of a mind shift that as, as student pastors, as youth workers, whatever it is, we've got to be willing to take a step back and say, mm, maybe we should be talking about this. Yeah. And I've got to figure out what I've got to do some research. I've got to have some conversations. I've got to figure out what it looks like for us to jump into this conversation. I could not agree more because we have to take a holistic approach yeah. to ministry. Totally. Um, when when and and this is a spiritual thing. This is a faith thing. When I read the Gospels, I read that Jesus uh, met people's physical needs first, and then he addressed their spiritual and emotional needs. This is a physical need for our students, but it's also a physical need for our parents. We have to be jumping in. On this conversation and and delving into the tough stuff as well as you know mining the tough mining them through the mud to get to the goal. Yep. 
And we as youth pastors need to engage in this conversation, which is why we created a standalone message on the topic of media for mm. youth pastors to stand in front of students and, and prepare their small group leaders to go have a conversation about media. What are the mm. positives and the negatives? What makes What's a healthy relationship with social media look like or all media in general? Yep. And so if you haven't got your hands on that yet, I would encourage you to. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Awesome. You know, for me, I just think it's reminding us that social media is not a thing we're protecting students from or ourselves from. It's mm. a, it's a new way of life. It's mm. a new way of living. And so, yeah. you know, again, you're again, prepare them, don't protect them for a new way. And none of us are doing it well. So you're yeah. in good company. Yeah. Um, so we're having conversations <laughs> like this yeah. nonstop, but you know, you can't just ignore it. Yeah. You've got to uh, jump in and do the best you can. And in a hundred years, they'll be talking about our generation. <laughs> That's right. And all the things that are wrong. a result of. <laughs> Mercy. Well, we want you to jump into this conversation too. Make sure you head to rethinkingym.org. Check out the show notes. Check out a link to the Facebook page where you can jump into this conversation with us that I'm sure is going to continue in many different facets as it does oh, yeah. in a day-to-day life. Uh, Dave, will you come back? Office I will come back. I will Because awesome. I want to learn more from you. <laughs> seriously. Gosh. <laughs> I love being on podcasts with Dave Adamson at what? Aussie Dave. Yeah, I love being here. I would, I will definitely come back on one condition. Oh, Ashley sings me something right Ooh. now. Well, the first song that pops into her head. Oh, but I'm in, I'm in the ear. I'm just, I'm getting news that we're just out of time. Oh, yeah, Dave. I don't, I don't know if you're having a little bit of like old person forgetfulness, but that's this isn't the right podcast. For uh, okay, that. gotcha. Well, Dave, thanks for hanging out with us. Hopefully we'll see you again soon. And for all of you listening, hope you have a great day. Thanks for hanging out with us too.